right, we are back. We are back, we are back. And for the first time in years, we are in the same room together. I can actually look you in the eyes. How are you doing, Andy? I'm doing pretty good in yourself, AJ. I'm doing great. So today we're kicking off the Cancer Geek podcast, bringing it back together. The Dream Team is back. And what are we going to discuss today? Well, AJ, I think what we need to do is kind of go back to basics. I think as you and I have been talking, we're renaming this podcast observations at the end of one we've sort of you know come out of the pandemic and i think everyone's done enough observing and so now it's a little bit about the journey that we want to go on so i think today it's grounding everyone on a little bit about who i am and my journey and we'll see where this ride takes us that's right i'm just the invisible man behind the board that makes everything happen i'm really not that important but it's all about the bow tie today so let's start start at the beginning was it a cold, stormy night when you were born? Actually, it was uh, Chicago Bears in a Packer game. I was born uh, during the fourth quarter. Oh, yeah, the Bears dairy, don't you know? You were uh, born on the gladiator field there. I know. It's. Uh, can I even be saying this, considering, you know, we're located in Viking country? I don't care. All right. It's fine. Just checking. It's fine. We... <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have any allegiance to any football team, but okay. So take me back. Packers and the Bears, they're playing on the football field. You were born. What's, who are you as a person? Oh, that's a great question. I think a lot of people ask me why the name Cancer Geek. The reality is, is if I go back to my early days or, you know, my younger days growing up, I had a friend who his brother was impacted by childhood cancer. Do you want to, you can put that down more. I was going to say, you gave me like another five inches. I was just, I was just guessing on the height of the mic there for you. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen you in real life. I forgot how tall you were. <laughs> uh, I'm about three apples high, like a Smurf. There you go. So you're saying your friend. So yes. So my friend in grade school, his brother was affected with childhood cancer. I remember that so vividly, just the emotional sort of aspect of it with my schoolmate, seeing what his brother was going through, losing his hair, the operations, the parents talking about it. It had an effect on me. I don't think it's until later in my life when I look back that I can actually realize the, the profound impact that it had. So, you know, that's kind of maybe step one in this. Step two is realizing that, you know, my paternal grandmother, she ended up dying of liver cancer uh, when my father was only 10, leaving him without parents uh, at a very early age. And knowing that and understanding that, I think I always kind of wondered about what is this thing called cancer and how does it impact so many people? And I've seen it do something to my friend's younger brother. My mother, she is a nurse. She was an administrator. She worked for nursing homes and CBRFs. And so growing up, I was always around patients. I was always around healthcare. I was always around people that worked in medicine, people that have dedicated their lives to helping other people. And I think going through all of that just sort of built all of these different blocks to say, I've got a real interest in dedicating my life to helping someone else. I love technology and I love playing with really cool, expensive toys. And I want to be able to do something that I feel like 
is leaving a mark or leaving a dent in the universe, which kind of brings me to college, going to the university and going between physical therapy and pre-med and deciding what I wanted to do and realized that, hey, there's this really cool brand new four-year degree called radiation therapy. It was a huge risk to be in the first class to graduate unaccredited, not knowing if you're going to get accreditation and be able to sit for your boards. How do you even prepare for a job when it's a first time doing a degree like that? Did they even have jobs available in the field or were they just trying to figure it out? So they did have jobs in the field, but in the state of Wisconsin, it was uh, an associate's degree or sort of on the job learning. And what they did is they decided to transition it to a four year degree. So they brought that onto the campus I was at at the time. And I decided to be sort of the, the guinea pig or maybe that was my first step into entrepreneurship inside of the world of medicine. So I applied, I got in, started the student class, graduated. And what was really cool about it is that we were given an 18-month clinical rotation at UW-Madison. So firsthand, a year and a half, hands-on with patients, caring for patients, learning about what it was to be a radiation therapist, and really making sure that we took the education and the book work that we had, and we were able to apply it in the clinic. And so for me, that was... That was the moment in which I really knew I wanted to dedicate my life to this thing called cancer. For those who are listening who maybe not understand, what kind of hands-on experience did you have with cancer during that time? How did you see it? How did you experience it? Cancer is such a pervasive term where it's everything from lip cancer to prostate cancer to brain cancer. What did you do with radiation in that time? In general, patients that are diagnosed with cancer, about 50% of them will end up going through radiation therapy or radiation treatments. Oftentimes you think of radiation and you sort of get these pictures or images in your head of skin burns and Hiroshima and atomic bombs and, and aspects like that. But radiation therapy is really cool because you can aim it and direct it in such a way that it's really focused on the cancer that you're you're treating. So it's a, a local type of treatment versus chemotherapy you put into the bloodstream and it affects your entire body. So radiation therapy is, is really focal and it's localized. So think breast, lung, prostate, brain cancer. Uh, if you've got bone cancer, maybe in like your thigh or your lower leg, all sorts of different types of cancer. And so during those 18 months, that's what we did. We learned about the cancer. We performed what's called a simulation. So it's sort of a, you bring the patient in, you have to map out where the cancer is. You have to decide where the radiation is going to enter the body and exit the body. You have to make sure that the patient is set up the same way every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week for anywhere at that time between six and maybe eight weeks. So you really got to understand a lot about cancer and how radiation works and impacts the cancer. You 
really built these strong relationships with patients. You're seeing them five days a week for six to eight weeks. You learn about their families, their birthdays, their children, their grandchildren. And then you you get to work with like the physicians and the physicists and just through observation and through the interactions and through the daily workings, you really start to understand that it truly does take a team focused on a patient to be able to care for them with radiation. So obviously you're not doing radiation therapy anymore. No, I'm not. I don't think anyone would would want me back in the clinic. So how did you get from the clinic to the position you're at today with GE? Like, obviously there's a long road there, but what got you out of the clinic and into the other side of the world? Yeah, so, you know, sort of a, a fast track. I had a lot of firsts, so first class to, to graduate, first class with a year and a half clinical rotation at UW-Madison, and then sort of a lot of different firsts on the provider side or the healthcare side or the medicine side, which eventually got me into administration and building cancer centers and, and different things of that nature. But then I got to this point in time in which I always wanted to do more. I wanted to move faster than a hospital could or a healthcare organization could. And I couldn't sort of grow anymore. And that's what industry offered to me. Industry offered me an opportunity to come into organizations, think about how their technology from a system perspective impacts their customers. So now the hospitals and the physicians and administrators and patients. And how can I put that technology together in different ways to accentuate, to complement, to accelerate what was important to those customers, whether it was expediting, going from, I think I have cancer, to here are my treatment options, to, hey, we've got this money and we want to invest in a new piece of technology, whether it's for MR or CT or mammography or whatever the case may be. Maybe we're looking to expand into, you know, our marketplace and uh, we want to bring all those services underneath one sort of roof or one center, what does that look like? And so that's what the leap into industry um, and now being on kind of the other side of the line really offered me. And it's something that I was scared about. Wasn't really sure if I was the right person or if I was smart enough to do it, but I've done it. I've left, I've went headfirst into the deep end and I haven't turned back and I've loved every minute of it. So with this journey, I, I mean, obviously, hospitals are well known for moving slow because and and rightly so patients people's lives are on the line so making changes quickly isn't really good for that and you leap into an industry and now you have the ability to move fast in productive ways to help people out what kind of things did you observe during your time that really impacted and, and created who you are today that really shaped the way that you see maybe medicine as a whole, healthcare as a whole. One of the things that I've learned early on is that I love art and I love artists and I love artistry. And if I think of, you know, one of the big artists that I follow, which is Seth Godin, he always talks about an artist is someone that creates something risky with generosity and it's really to touch someone else and to make a change for the better. So anything that you do is to, to make a change of some sort. 
And I think for me, what I realized was that because I'm a natural observer, I like to just observe and learn that it gives me a preview that's different than others because I've been on the, the technical side caring for patients. I've helped manage physicians, so I've kind of been on that physician side. I've been on the administration side. I've worked with payers, so I've been on the payer side of things. In managing and sort of being a director of oncology services, I'm very aware of the pharma side of things with medical oncology and chemotherapies and how do you bill and you know rebates that you get back and just all of that. I've done a lot of advocacy work, so for you know kind of the politics and the politicians understanding like advocacy and lobbying and the importance of that. And then being on the medical technology side. So the reason why that's important is, is that from my perspective, there's kind of five or six different lenses inside of the world of what we call healthcare. My superpower is I can listen and whatever that conversation is, I can translate it into a story that's important to each of those stakeholders. And by coming to industry and working for the various companies that I've worked for and work for now, that was the missing link. Like that has always been the missing piece is you get into these conversations or these conference rooms and you have salespeople or technical people, engineers, talking to physicians and nurses or administrators and it's not resonating with them. And sometimes on the flip side, you've got physicians, administrators, and nurses talking to people on the industry side, and it's not resonating with them because they're not talking the same language. And so for me, it's been that translator. And that's where like my aha moment came in, is that by observing and being able to translate, what's really important to me are words. So words is kind of like my art or my artistry. It's, as you said before, there's there's some fundamental differences. Doctor and physician, oftentimes in media, in literature, in natural conversations, people use those words interchangeably. But if you actually go and you look it up in the dictionary, you realize that there's a slight difference. Doctor is a person that is licensed to practice medicine versus a physician is a person who's skilled in the art of healing. And when any of us go in for care, what we really want is we want to be seen as a human. We want to be cared for as a human. And that's an art. That's not something that you can follow some really cool algorithm and just spit out. It's really about listening to understand realizing what's important to the patient, taking all of that information in and making a diagnosis, and then using that as your heart art to help heal that patient. So that's, you know, one of many examples. Well, and I think that's a really wild take because most people use doctor and physician interchangeably. So in order to take back those words, that's going to be a massive campaign. But I think using words as art which I thought was a really cool way to phrase it, is an interesting example because words do matter. And words, especially with English, always change and change meanings. So with those aha moments that you have with how these words differentiate each other, what are some of the things that you're seeing where original intent of the word is losing meaning, like medicine? And so what are some of the 
other observations you've made with words in healthcare? You know, I think the, the big one that you sort of allude to is medicine in healthcare. Right now, if we open up anything, what we always read about is healthcare, and that's healthcare as one word. But if we sort of pause and take a step back, really where all of this starts with is medicine. And medicine is a practice, it's an art of healing and caring for a patient. It goes all the way back to the Hippocratic Oath and Hippocrates. And if you sort of go through all of that, what you realize is, is that medicine was about understanding the person and understanding what was wrong with them and what was going on and making the person part of that process and then healing that person. We sort of fast forward through time, we get to, and I know people don't like when I say this, but we, we get to sort of this post-industrial revolution and it becomes how do we apply factory system line thinking to everything that we do so someone got the idea how do we apply this to the world of medicine and that's when you get the word healthcare if you actually go back into to dictionaries i think i was looking and i've got a dictionary from like 1996 or maybe it's 97. you look up the word healthcare it does not exist it does not exist in the Webster's Dictionary. You go the following year and it's there. Now, it was probably put there because of, at that time there was like PPOs and insurance and whatnot. So it kind of became this word that people put together. But it's that industrialization of medicine, which again is about the art of healing and caring for people that we've now scaled. And now we call it healthcare. And again, that's healthcare is one word versus when you and I talk about it as far as context goes, we actually mean health and care or health space care. Because I know when I wake up, I both want to make sure that I've got my health and that if something goes awry with that, that someone's going to help care for me or how do I do daily activities to, to care for my own health. And so for me, it's really reminding people that there's a difference between medicine and healthcare. Like healthcare is this scaled mediocrity that no one really wants. What we really want is we want to be seen, we want to be heard, and we want to be cared for based on Andy DeLeo or AJ. We don't want to be cared for based on a population of people that are similar to AJ or Andy. So I think when people don't like the phrase post-industrial revolution. I mean, we are we are post-industrial revolution and we're in a what I would consider like the service age where it's it's about creating services at the point of need. And I think that was very evident when the pandemic hit. We saw these streamlined Sigma sixed supply chain as needed systems in healthcare completely destroy and kneecap us because we weren't ready for any influx of anything. And we had so commercialized, capitalismized healthcare that so many people were just caught unaware. When we have what you were saying as scaled mediocrity no one wants, what is then the alternative? What what are we working towards? What as Cancer Geek and as this podcast gets evolved, what are we trying, what 
what do you want to discover? What are we trying to build towards? What's the goal? So for me, I think the goal is one or two things, and those two things might actually be intertwined as one. I think what all of us want, but we haven't been able to articulate, is we want medicine. What medicine is going to look like is how do you care for someone else at the end of one? So what is the end of one? How, how does someone, when Andy DeLeo is sick, how do they care for me based on me, who I am, the air that I breathe, the food that I eat, uh, the zip code in which I've lived in the majority of my life, the work that I do, what's important to me fundamentally when it comes to my care, whether that's end of life decisions or you know going in for routine physicals. The same thing for you. I think when you talk about healthcare, medicine, whatever term you wanna use, I'm willing to bet that the summary of what you articulate is you want to be cared for as AJ. You want your family to be cared for as each individual person. And so I've said this years ago and I'll say it again, it's about the march to the end of one. I fundamentally believe that the technology that we have is going to continue to accelerate and that we've got glimpses of closer to end of one care. Maybe we're at like the end of 100,000. But I fundamentally believe by 2025, 2026, we will be at an end of one. And that's where I think the future is headed. And I think that's where all of us want it to be. All right. So if we're still doing this podcast in 2025, we're going to hold you to that prophecy. We'll see how you how it pans out. I'm good with that because there's many manifestations of N of one care. I know. I mean, we all have individualized medicine now with genomics and being able to do drug tests, drug gene rules that are in place in many healthcare institutions. So that's that's the goal. And with the what's the goal of this podcast and why are we doing this? Why should people listen? How would you explain it as an elevator pitch on the spot? What's your podcast about? Why should I care? So this podcast is about one sort of sharing my journey and my observations through the world of medicine. Two, I think it's about the aha moments that I've had either over my career or that I have sort of in the near term. And I think the third one, which is probably most important to people versus the first two, is you and I do a really good job of interviewing and talking to people. And what I want to do is bring other people into the fold. I want to learn about their journey. I want to learn about their aha moments. I want to learn about what they can do. What is the one thing somebody can do listening to this podcast going to work tomorrow to enable an N of one care experience for patients? And I want to empower people. So maybe the fourth thing is empowering people with the knowledge that physicians and patients have all the leverage. They just need to work together as a cohesive unit and take back the art of medicine and let this scaled sort of mediocrity that we call healthcare, it can be there and it serves a purpose. But at 115, when someone has an appointment and you walk through that front door, it's about two human beings, four sets of eyes, two nose, two pairs of lips, 
interacting to one another, getting to know one another, and actually performing the art of healing at the end of one. And with that, I think that's a great place to stop with our first episode here. We're going to keep these a little bit shorter than usual. We don't need to be an hour long format. And to be honest, I think it's a little easier for listeners to just get that golden nugget. We'll just hit to the bottom, get to the bottom of the mystery. With that being said, um, we're going to talk next episode. We're going to start off talking about the rules of medicine, according to Andy DeLeo, also known as Cancer Geek. We're going to dive in a little bit more about the future of medicine and talk about what to expect once we start getting some interviews lined up. Sounds good. Thank you, AJ. I'm uh, looking forward to it. And as always, remember, healthcare happens at the end of one.